Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to this pre-record first guest Thursday conversation of 2022. Amazing. Fantastic. Uh, you can tell that it's the new year because all our Christmas stuff is gone, which always feels a little bit sad. It but, does. You know, you have to soldier on. And luckily, we just have piles and piles and piles of snow to help us feel better about Christmas being over. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So let's get right to this conversation because we are excited. I feel like this is sort of the first couple we've talked to. Well, it's absolutely the first couple we've talked to who are not coming on with their own um, addiction story. They're coming yeah. on for a very different reason. So let's bring them on and have the conversation. Join us in welcoming, formerly of Fargo, now of Washington State, Melissa Schmallenberger and Ray Riddle. Let me get them on here. Hello. Hello. You Good to see you both. Good to see you too. Happy Thank New you. Year's to both of you. And Happy you. New Year's to you. It's hard to believe we're on this side of the holidays, but I guess that's how it happens. We still have our Christmas decorations up and we also have snow, but it's melting. So <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, you I mean, if you didn't hadn't lived here before, I would try to regale you with how terrible the weather was, but no, you know. We know. Yes. yes. Yeah. How long did you live in Fargo? Like, Since 93. Yeah, I was say it was okay. probably, it's sort of 93 to 2019, yeah. 18, something like that. Yeah, I just saw that you left four years ago. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can't believe how fast that time has gone. I know it, right? Yeah. But then it feels like we've lived here forever. Yeah, at I bet the same it time. Yeah. Well, you've made a really remarkable life that um, those of us who know you have been able to watch from afar. So that's been fun. So that's partly why you're on today because. Um, I think not unlike Maz and me, you two, you, Melissa, in particular, because, you know, I, I, we gave a talk yesterday at Rotary and I introduced us by saying one of us talks a lot and one of us talks when the other one is breathing. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, that's not untrue at your house as well. Correct. Correct. Yes. So, so you have chosen, Melissa, to be really honest about a number of things in your life, really, really good and and things that you struggle with. Mm -hmm. And so I saw a post from you, I guess it must have been last week, mm -hmm. where you just said that you and Ray were having a conversation and you had decided you were gonna try dry January. And I was super fascinated by that. So that is why you're on today, because this is a choice you're making for lots of reasons that I think will really resonate with our audience. So can you just tell us that conversation that you two had, let's start there. Well, it's really simple. I decided we're doing dry January and Ray found out when I said, hey, Dana asked us to be on a podcast about being dry in January. He's like, what? And, and then I went, <laughs> and then the answer was, okay, that okay. sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's used but, to going with the flow yeah. and yeah. trying new things and just seeing how they feel. Yeah. yeah. So um, why were you interested in trying it? Well, from my perspective, and I think, Maybe so raise you, too. You go first, and I'll give my my answer. Okay. Um, is your answer because I told you to? Nope. Okay, good. Nope. <laughs> well, we found ourselves in November having just a really, our my work is super intense, and 
we have other things going on. I mean, you have three kids, you have parents, you have, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff and um, COVID on top of it. And it was just a lot. And we found ourselves drinking a bottle of wine tonight between the two of us, which to some people may not seem like a lot, but for us, <clears throat> a weekday, that was a lot, especially when you added up four or five bottles. And I'm just like, wow, is this really how we want to deal with stress in our life? And I didn't because I don't sleep well. I'm taking a big test next month and I have to figure out different ways of dealing with stress and drinking isn't it. And I think for me, it's, it's not an addiction of sorts. It's more of an experiment and just not drinking. Like I'm not like pulled to drink. Like I mentioned this to people and they're like, you're crazy. I'm never giving up drinking. So, you know, there's that side of it yep. where this isn't a huge thing for us. But I think with drinking, a lot of our social lives revolve around it. We belong to like a number of wine clubs and we on weekends go to wineries and we sit and look at, you know, the beautiful trees and have a glass of wine. And for me, it's really a social thing to do as a couple. And we talk about it and it's really enjoyable. And taking that component out of our life, to me, seemed like a really interesting experiment to do. Yeah. All right, Ray. So she actually segued from the kind of the stress part of it into the social aspect. And that's actually what I was going to kind of mention is it is one of those things where at this time of the year or actually last month, you're in the holidays, you're having some relatives visit, you're having friends visit, you may have a glass of wine, which turns into one, then two, and then three. And it's one of those things where not a lot of, you know, some people will overindulge, some won't, but it's one of those things where it's like at the beginning of the new year, okay, let's just maybe do a reset and reevaluate it and then go from there and then see, you know, is it something that I am using to be, you know, more socially open and have that conversation and, you know, willing to put myself out there? Or is it one of those things where it's like, I, you know, just am naturally that way. And I don't need to have a little bit of, you know, people refer to it as social lubricant. I don't need to have that little additional start there. So it is a little bit of an experiment for me as well in that yeah. sense. Interesting. Um, okay. So you posted about it and I was immediately fascinated because um, obviously Maz <clears throat> doesn't drink at all, but I still do drink some. And while I never drank a lot, I... I am one of those people who, if I have a bottle of wine in the house, A, I'm the only one drinking it, which I don't like. Um, and B, if I have it, if I have a glass of wine while I'm making- have a dog scratching the door, he'll be right back. Yeah, that's all good. If I have a glass of wine while I'm making dinner, then I might have another glass of wine while I'm eating dinner. And then if we go watch something on TV, I might have more. And I probably never have like five ounces at a time Mm -hmm. But if I'm drinking 10 to 12 ounces in a night, I don't want to drink that much mm. for me. I, right. I Other people, if it's fine for them, good for them. But right. I agree with you. I sleep poorly. I don't feel good the next morning. Right, exactly. For me, it's not, I, like, I don't want to do it alone. And it's expensive. Even if you're not drinking really expensive wine, it, it adds up. So you posted about this. I was attracted to it because I just you know go back and forth with it with myself what kind of feedback have you gotten mm. um i mean i think most people kind of understand it um probably the most 
um, is the people who are serious drinkers yeah. really question it. Like, I don't know why you're doing that kind of thing. And I'm just like, I don't know. I had this friend, she did a challenge every month. You know, it might be sugar next month. It might be, you know, do something else. And I just think it's really important to um, challenge yourself. There's a, a quote by Eckhart Tolle about um, the minute you stop evolving as a human, you're going to die. We yep. are continuously learning lessons in life. And to me, that's a way that I can continue to learn a lesson. And then the other reason is there's this um, Gandhi story. I don't even know if it's real at this point, but this mom comes up to Gandhi and says, tell my child to stop eating candy. And he says, come back in a month. And she's like, okay. okay. So she comes back in a month and she says, Gandhi, tell my child to stop eating candy. And Gandhi looks at her and says, stop eating candy. And the mom looks at him and says, well, why did I have to wait a month? And he said, well, I couldn't ask of him to do something that I myself don't know if I can do. Hmm. So I think that's really important too. So when you're supporting people who are going through something in life, it's really easy to judge. So we always yeah. talk about, um, you don't walk in my shoes, so you don't know what I'm going through, but maybe try those shoes on a little bit and see how it feels and realize how much of our culture, like for alcohol, revolves around alcohol consumption. You know, I have a few friends who have been dry their entire life and people see it as an anomaly. And for us, we did this, this is just a different segue, sorry. This is now Melissa's podcast. Um, no, this this we is how Yes Thursdays go. It's great. Yeah. We went it's to this normal. fancy dinner um, one time and it had pairings of wine and non-alcoholic drinks. And uh, one of us ordered wine and one ordered the non-alcoholic pairings. And we're going through it and we're both just like, we like the non-alcoholic pairings yeah. so much better. Yeah. Why are we drinking wine that costs three times as much? So when we went back to the restaurant, we both did the non-alcoholic pairings. Why aren't restaurants doing that more? People yeah. will spend $10 on a non-alcoholic cocktail. Yes, as soon will. as restaurants realize that, we're gonna see a surge. But for now, it's it's an untapped market. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. So um, you know this from your years doing CSA. I, I always had, along with great wine from Bernie's, I always had some sort of sparkling cider or something because my mom was a CSA shareholder and my mom has never been a drinker. So I, I always just think, well, if she's there, somebody else may be too. Mm -hmm. But but then when Maz got sober, I really started thinking through it from a even more intentional way. And so COVID has really derailed this program, which used to have people gather together. And now we've been delivering art and food and, and drinks to individual homes. And we've got five or six people who don't drink for a number of reasons. And so we started really getting concerted about not just giving them Welch's grape juice, but giving them something, a cocktail, a mocktail. And I agree with you. Often Maz and I would have those and I would think I've never had a glass of wine that I think is better than this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a huge potential market for a million reasons. And it doesn't really matter why you're not drinking. That's the right. piece I find interesting. Nobody ever says to somebody who is drinking, well, why are you drinking? But we always ask people who aren't drinking why they're not drinking. Right. Yeah. Right. Flip the script. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things I ever, I ever read was nobody says 
to a drug addict in recovery, why aren't you just taking meth? Just have one hit. You'll be fine. Can't you just do one? Nobody says that. I mean, I guess unless you're a dealer or, you know, right, somebody, right. but the, but your network supports you in that. It's very weird how unsupportive many people are around people choosing to try to either drink less or not drink at all. Okay. Well, and, so and oh, I, was just add, I, I think that is something that is kind of inherent in our society because drinking is so acceptable and it's so common that when you deviate from that norm, it's like, well, that's kind of weird. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Where it is one of those things where is it because of the options that people are presented with that they are, you know, limited and that's the only thing that they can do? Or, you know, if we give them more options, you know, then it's easier to kind of segue and say, oh, I can see a path forward to this. Well, yeah. and I think, <clears throat> I don't know, I grew up in North Dakota, he grew up in North Dakota, Maz, I know you did not grow up in our <laughs> I did. <laughs> but the culture when we were in high school is you drank like crazy. And yeah. the fact that nobody in my high school died is a shocker. Yeah. And I talked to my friends who have kids going to college. The reason we see so many binge deaths right now from alcohol in college is because when we were in college, we had to learn to sober up before we went home. You know, kids going off to college they haven't had any experience with that. So yeah. they don't know when to stop. And I think that's super dangerous too, because yeah. you can't have um, an all or nothing with this because your kids will go off to college and experiment. But yeah. what do you do as a parent? Do you sit right. there and be like, okay, I want you to drink till you throw up, you know? Right. I mean, that's a whole other conversation but I think it's another area that is so different from when we were growing up, you know, cause I didn't have the urge to really drink in college. It just wasn't a big deal to me. I'm like, well, and some of that was, we may have already gone through that phase, not, yeah. not to like say anything here, but you know, earlier in that, where even when we talked to our kids, they never drank in high school. And then it was when they went to college, like she said, party like, on Garth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's it's an incredibly weird thing. It's the only really damaging thing that you can actively choose not to do that we actively encourage everybody to do. You know, you judge smokers, you judge drug addicts, you drug you judge people who gamble too much, but we don't judge people who drink too much particularly. And so this is another area where I'm fascinated to know where you two land because you are, you know, you are middle, upper middle income. I'm just making assumptions, but upper middle income, you live in this, you know, you're in the heart of beautiful American wine country. You're empty nesters. You are educated. You have all the markers for being the kinds of couples who belong to the multiple wine clubs and go to the vineyards and do all of those things because that's what we're told we're all aspiring to get to do. Mm -hmm. So how are you, um, this is a little bit off topic from dry January, but how do you feel like that has shifted, if at all, from being in the middle of North Dakota where it's just so damn cold so much of the year, maybe you're not even socializing. You have a lot more opportunity to be social mm -hmm. like COVID where you are, and then just a lot more sort of natural beauty and invitation to be in that culture than we do here. How have, how have you navigated that? So I, I think you're, you're spot on there. Some of it is due to environmental areas. You know, like you said, we have 
all of these wineries that are around us. So it is very convenient where in the Midwest, you really don't have a lot of options for that. So the, the part that is the draw with that is because of the, the different geographical locations that we have. There's, there's a diversity of, you know, of places here where you may go to one winery, the style is totally different in another. So there's a lot of variety in that. In the Midwest, you're, you're somewhat limited because of the sparseness of, you know, scenery, of the environment, things like that. So part of that is the draw for me as well. It's like, let's experience those things that we don't normally have. The other part, too, is with the amount of time that we grew up in North Dakota and the time that we spent there, this is new and it's still exciting to us. And we're still exploring the area and we're still getting to understand, you know, all the different places that we can look and explore. And, and so that's that's some of that draw for me. And I think part of it is too, just the educational piece of it, living in the two different places. Like if we <clears throat> if we were in Fargo, we go to Happy Harry's or, you know, Bottle Barn or, you know, one of those places. Yeah. And, you know, we would have no clue what type of wine we are buying. Right. Here, we'll go to a winery and they'll give us five little samples and they'll tell us about each one and we start to learn about the science behind wine yeah. and the earth, the terroir that it comes from and the weather. And so there's all these other nuances of wine that we never knew about until we moved here. And, and, and along those lines, we have the opportunity to talk to the, to the person who made the wine. I was gonna say, you're making yeah. relationships exactly. with wineries and that's, that's incredibly interesting. Right. Yeah. And so they'll tell us about the, okay, we mix this percentage of grape with this other variety of grape and, you know, it gives us complexities where, like you said, if we went to someplace that just sold it, it's like, okay, here's a bottle. I don't know anything about it. Right. I like the label. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly it. I like the label. And like, yeah. you know, we learn about the winery is like our favorite winery. This guy was in tech before he got into wine and his main investor was, Jeff Bezos' father, you know? Yeah. And so that's super interesting. And Chateau St. Michel was a huge conglomerate that was owned by a cigarette company of all places. So it, huh? and it just got sold, I think, in the last year or two. So there's all these little facts and nuances too. And then you throw in food pairings with it and we're like, all right, we're sold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I remember saying to Maz shortly after he got sober. So I, I can probably count on these, let me get towards the camera, these fingers, the amount of hard liquor I've had in my life. Um, but I saw a um, CBS Sunday morning special on uh, the island off of Scotland, whose entire industry is whiskey, scotch, scotch. And it was so charming. And all I could think was, I would absolutely go there and drink scotch at every single one of those places. And I was so sad that I now had a husband who I couldn't enjoy that with because I'm not going by myself and we're not going to go and not do it. Like, like right, right, it's the whole right. point of the island. And so we've not been to any wineries since he got sober. And let me just say to anyone who's thinking I'm bemoaning that I have a husband who doesn't drink. Of course I'm not. But there that. is that, thank you. There is that really beautiful being in relationship together, spending time together, learning things together, you know, all those things that just are not part of our story anymore. Um, and so, so then you I, have to find something else, you yes, know? Yes, right. 
like bike rides and cross country skiing when it's exactly. not below zero. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so how are you finding you are you are five days into dry January? <laughs> how are you finding it? Well, what's super interesting is I have a friend of mine who is an alcoholic. He, um, I mean, I've watched him drink a bottle of wine in 20 minutes, like chug it. And yeah. I said, I'm concerned about your drinking. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. But now he's getting sober and he bought a book and he sent it to my other friend and I, and he's like, let's be dry together for the month yeah. of January. And I think what it is it's not it's not difficult for me but i do like oh let's have a bottle of wine i'm like yeah. hmm, i have to pause uh -huh. but what i think it's really good for is to show our support of those who do have a serious medical condition yeah. and to know that they're not alone in that and people will stand up and support them yep and, and that we have the ability to do it and um you know not to be um you know when you have children with somebody too you always look at the addiction in families. And yep. I seriously have somebody that I had to look at the addiction on his side of the family. And that always concerned me with our kids as well. And um, I just, yeah, it's just, it's so, such an interesting part of our society too. And then you go back to, you know, our whole country got rid of alcohol, you know, <laughs> in the twenties and the teens. Wow. And then what did people do? Started making a lot of moonshine right and yep. taking it underground. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and coming back to your question, you know, how has it been, you know, being, you know, a couple of days into it for me, it's not really been much of a struggle. Cause I've, it's, I've always kind of been a little bit of, you know, somebody offers me a glass of wine, I'll have one, but I'm, you know, I'm conscious of, am I driving? Am I, you know, doing something like this where it's like, okay, Nope. I, I have to be, you know, in a, a proper state of mind. So I'm not necessarily a, a big drinker and it's not much of a challenge right now. Right. It's more like, as Melissa said, you know, it's like, we're going to try this as an experiment. We're going to see what's going to happen. We're see how we, you know, enjoy it. It might be, you know, we continue it from January into February. It <clears> might be that, you know, we never drink again. And you but, were never like a wine drinker even. Right. I mean, I always joke, you can tell people's level of experience with wine with which type of wine they like. Yeah. So if yes. you are a Moscato drinker, right? <laughs> you're a beginner. If yeah. you're a Cabernet fan, you're an expert. So yes. He started out at the Moscato level. Yeah. I would say before I came out here, it was very much a white, sweet wine. Yep. As we've been living out here, I have graduated, graduated to the bolder reds, heavier reds, things like that, that I enjoy. And, and white wines are even, you know, so sweet that I'm like, I yeah. don't even enjoy those anymore. Wow. So, you know what I was going to say? My first thought was to go, well, good for you, Ray. And then I thought, why are you, I mean, there's not a lot to celebrate, but it's also a weird thing to celebrate. Like, right. it's, exactly. it's, just, it's my favorite thing about the fact that we just talk about drinking with people or with ourselves in this very frank way is that, the the truth of the matter is is that there is no easy answer to any of this because for every article you read that says one glass of red wine a night is so good for your heart and lowers your chance of this and raises your you read another article that says absolutely yeah. every drink of alcohol you have is killing your brain there there are no definitive answers and so then we really are left to just sort of navigate it as best we can 
if we choose to engage with it. And if we don't engage with it, that's a choice too, because the entire culture around you is saying, well, we're sophisticated, we're we're interesting, we get together, of course we're having wine. So I think, you know, for me, I think it really has to do with effects it has on the other areas of your life. You know, I'll have clients who have gone through treatment 10 times and they're finally sober and like, wow, I hate my spouse, I'm getting divorced. And then their spouse is like, you were a horrible mother while you were a drinker, you shouldn't have custody of your child. So there's that level of the two, you know? People can be terrible people while they're drunks. Yes. And while they have too much alcohol in them. I am a fun drinker and then I go to sleep, you know? So I think that is very, I just think we have to be very sensitive to that as well because people's lives are destroyed because of alcohol. So we can't be like, whatever, whatever. We have to be sensitive to it. Well, and the ripple of it is so profound. We were saying yesterday when Maz got sober, it wasn't just our relationship and his relationship with Quinn. It was his mother, his siblings, my family, his colleagues, his students, the community, his friends. I mean, it goes on and on and Mm. on because you really realize how interconnected you are Mm -hmm. when suddenly you sort of have to look at everybody in your life and go, I'm not exactly sure what our relationship has been, but I know where I'd like, oh, that's a very Well, and then people want to support you. So it's like, you know, having that sparkling cider or whatever it is at events and they're like, oh, should we even have any alcohol? Should we, you know, they're like, oh, what do we do? There's like no roadmap because each person in recovery is different. It's like, well, my trigger was being at a bar drinking rum and Coke, you know? And if I'm at your house and you're having a glass of wine, that's not going to bother me. So I think it's really important to delve even deeper of how to support them. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Can I ask what book you and your two friends are reading this month? Um, I can tell you what it's on my phone and yeah. I don't know the name of it. I'll send you a screenshot. Yeah, of it. please ah, do. Brilliant. Thank you. Cause I just am, uh, one thing Maz and I have really been fascinated to learn is just all the ways that people can choose to live in sobriety. Alcoholics Anonymous is the one that people know, but it is by no means the only one. And for many people, it's not the one that works. Right, right. Well, those 12 steps are pretty intense, so. Yep. Yeah. Tell your deal though about this, because I love this, your your point about the 12 yeah, steps. Yeah, so there's the 12 promises and the 12 steps. And when you look at them, um, and I only, someone pointed this out to me when I was actually in rehab. They said, well, read them again. So I read them again. I thought this was a bit of a test. And they said, what did you notice? I thought, this is a test. I felt like I was back in high school in detention. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man, think. And I looked at them and I thought, only one of them is about drinking. He said, yeah, on both the 12 promises and both the 12 steps, one of them talks about drinking. The other 11 are how to deal with stress, how to reach out and ask for help. How not to judge. How to My ex- favorite is the amends one. Yeah. yeah. How to accept mm-hmm. the consequences of what you've done and say, yeah, fair enough, I've done that. Let's move on together. Yeah. They're good keystones and actually how to have a life. Mm-hmm. We should yeah. all be thinking about them. And I really think that in the almost five years I've been going to AA, that's the best therapy anyone, you know, Dana's brother once said everyone should be should go and see a psychiatrist at some point in their lives. That's probably true. I get free therapy. 
yeah. and it's 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 done me the world of good. Yeah, Ray, I think you were going to say something, and we cut you off. Well, I, I was just going to say that you know those twelve steps, as as you were kind of pointing out, of the eleven that are non-alcoholic specific. I mean, those apply to any situation or any type of addiction or anything in your life, and even if you don't have an addiction, they're just good things to live by and to, to assess and to, you know, yeah. ask yourself, am I doing things that better society? Yes. I, I just, I say all the time, I have really benefited because I haven't had to go through the addiction piece to get to the lessons of AA. And I, you know, you can find those online. You don't have to go to an AA meeting, but it wouldn't have dawned on me to look at them until I had one in the household. And I'm a much better person for just trying to think through those various ways of being in the world that have nothing to do with alcohol. Right. right. Yeah. Well, this has been super interesting. We wish you great luck this yes, month. I don't think luck. you need it, but um, <laughs> I know you'll keep you'll keep posting about it. So we'll get to find out how it goes. I'll be really most curious to hear how things go if you end up at a dinner party or if you end up in a situation like that where it's just so easy to say yes well it's kind of so many people like you've heard of like no spend november yeah like, it's like the month leading up to christmas don't spend any money so like for me i could never do it i have two kids birthdays in november and i like yeah. to plan ahead for christmas so it's like with this it's like i'm just not gonna have any social things for the month this is a great month i'm studying i'm not doing anything yeah. You know, but we also do a lot of just with COVID, we just drink at home. You know, we have, yeah. I think a lot of us are just drinking at home. So yeah. for like the social situations, chances are we're not going to be going to any wineries. You know, sure. we just aren't. Yeah. And I think if we continue to do this, um, I, I don't know. I mean, why would you go to a winery if neither of you are going to drink? You right. just... I mean, it feels kind of awkward. It's like saying, I'm going to go to the movies, but I'm not going to watch the movie. Right. I'm going to have my ears closed and my right. eyes yeah. closed. Yeah. I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. So I, I agree with you, but I think, you know, it's only the 5th or 6th of January. You don't need to make that decision today. No. But it will be really interesting to see. And we really appreciate you coming on well, and talking you. about it. It's great yeah, to talk. Yeah, our pleasure. And think thank of you. all the money we're going to save. It's so it, expensive. I mean, if you think alcohol is expensive in North Dakota, Come to Washington State. Yeah. The alcohol tax is crazy high. I'm sure well, that's true. That, that's not going to impact us, though, because we get our wine from memberships. So it's coming regardless of whether we go or not. Whether yeah. you're drinking it or yeah. not. Yeah. 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 Well, then think of all the um, lovely housewarming presents you can take. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, end our conversation, and then I'm, I'm going to talk to you about something else. So. Okay. All right. So thanks so much thank for joining you, us you. and um, we'll be in touch. Everybody else. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. I got to do this. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.